Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. hope you guys are enjoying your hunting season. Um, when this airs, I will be hunting elk in New Mexico. So, um, yeah, send up some prayers for me. Hopefully we are getting into some bulls and I'll have some updates about that hunt coming up for you guys soon. Um, I think it's going to be a really good hunt. So, uh, as we're recording this, I am getting ready for these next two hunts, um, getting everything geared up for this muzzleloader hunt out in New Mexico, and then I'm going to be driving straight from there to Montana to hunt the general rifle elk season. So, again, keep me in prayer. Uh, it's going to be a long trip. It's going to be a fun trip. It's going to be an adventure, but I appreciate y'all's support. Um so this week, I'm going to do another one of these a uh, little bit shorter episodes, but it's adapted from a TV episode uh, from my show on the Sportsman Channel, which you can catch at noon Eastern on Saturdays or 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Mondays on the Sportsman Channel. And uh, this episode, I actually sit down and do an interview with Jason Matzinger from Into High Country, and we talk specifically about hunting mule deer um, really hunting mule deer in the Badlands of the Brakes country, um, which is a hunt that I did last year, um, which I'm going to be dropping relatively soon within the next month or two on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's my second mule deer hunt ever, and this one actually was able to hold out for a mature buck, killed a really cool, big old, just like 27-inch wide two-point with some junk, and he's got really good eye guards. I'm looking at him right now as I speak. Um, but anyway, it's an amazing place to hunt. Uh, it's a pretty easy tag to draw, even for non-residents. I know, you know, Montana residents can draw it every year. It's just a general rifle deer tag. Uh, one of my favorite hunts of all time, for sure. An amazing hunt. Um, and anyway, so we talk about hunting mule deer, uh, in the Badlands. And, uh, we also talk about conservation and stuff. And I just want to take this opportunity to say, if you're not a member of the Mule Deer Foundation, I would recommend doing it, uh, whether you live out west or not. If you like mule deer, if you like hunt mule deer, if you just love the animals and chasing after them like me and Jason do, um, go ahead and join the Mule Deer Foundation. You know, they're a great organization doing some great work, um, trying to ensure the future of mule deer. And as we get into in this conversation, mule deer are not like whitetail. They don't reproduce at the same rates. And they don't live in the same places. They really need wild, wild places to live. They don't thrive in agricultural land like whitetails do and in backyards. Um, they need wide open, wild spaces. So we really got to um, protect those places. And, you know, when you protect mule deer habitat, you protect elk habitat, you protect sage grouse habitat, you know, waterfowl, all kinds of different, you know, just other species trickle down from the benefits there. So um, definitely check out the Mule Deer Foundation and consider joining, uh, even if you live in the East. I am a member. I go every year to the Mule Deer Foundation Hunt Expo, and um, I'm working on a potential partnership with them, actually. So I'm excited about that and giving back to conservation. Um, anyway, one other thing I wanted to mention before we jump into this episode is something I'm kind of excited about. It's pretty new. Um, it's going to be for next year, basically. But, um, you know... I like to talk about DIY hunts and hunting out west and kind of doing it yourself on public land. Um, and, you know, that's great. But if you don't have a mentor or somebody, if you're coming from out east, um, 
I'm not saying it can't be done, but you know, it's there's nothing wrong with you know your first trip or your first couple trips or whatever, even if it's every trip, going with an outfitter or a guide. Um, you know, I that wasn't part of my story, but the only reason I learned what I've learned is because. The first trip I ever went on, I went with a friend who had Alaska experience, and he wasn't a paid guide, but he was basically my guide. He helped me out through the whole process and really taught me how to hunt Western hunt. Like it's it's a lot. So you know, I try to do my best here to educate you guys, and and you know, you don't necessarily need to do that, but if the learning curve just feels too steep, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going with a guide or an outfitter for your first hunt or, you know, your first couple hunts or whatever. Um, and some people just like doing those style hunts. There's nothing wrong with it. So all that being said, um, I'm working with a friend, um, named Trey and basically Trey's a hunt consultant. Um, so this is part of the, uh, the business that I'm looking to get into a little bit. Um, basically if, you know, if you want to do a hunt out West and you think you might need just a little extra help, maybe to learn in the first year, whatever it is, or, you know, you've just been dreaming of that antelope hunt or that elk hunt, whatever it is, but it just seems like a little too much to try to do completely on your own the first year, which I totally get. Um, reach out to me because I have access through my friend Trey and some others to, um, some cool hunting opportunities that you guys can get on for next year. So if any of these sound good, um, you know, I have, uh, available to help you guys out with Wyoming elk hunts. Uh, these are like horseback hunts with wall tents and guided all that good stuff. Uh, bear hunts, same deal, horses and wall tents. Um, you know, whitetail hunts all over. We got South Texas whitetail hunts. Um, we have a Oregon cow elk hunt, um, we got turkey hunts in Oregon, Nebraska whitetail and Nebraska mule deer. Um, let's see, of course, Wyoming antelope, um, bow or rifle, and also New Mexico public and private fully guided elk hunts, if that's something you guys are interested in. Uh, also, Missouri whitetail hunts, uh, kind of a DIY type deal, and some more turkey hunts and pig hunts in different spots. Anyway, we have access to a bunch of different hunts that um, if you're interested in looking to book something, uh, like I said, if you want to uh, get into Western hunting but just need a little help in the first year or whatever the case may be, uh, shoot me a message on Instagram at the Hunter's Quest or you can send me an email, hunter at thehuntersquest.com. And I'll give you my advice on getting into Western hunting, and um, I'll get you hooked up with somebody who can take you on your first hunt if that's what you need. Not all of us have friends or family that are experienced Western hunters that are willing to take us out. Like I said, um, you know, though the DIY thing is a big part of my story, at the same time, I wouldn't be where I was without my friend Ned, who had backcountry experience, had Alaska experience, and took me on my first hunt. And then others that took me on hunts, you know, went on hunts with Brian and uh, Dan from Elk Shape, learned a ton from those guys. So it's not like I just randomly bought a tag and just went out somewhere and not that it can't be done because it can be done. But if you want to increase, you know, shorten, excuse me, if you want to shorten your learning curve and maybe have a little bit chances, a little bit better chance of success and kind of learn how to do it on yourself, on your own moving forward. There's absolutely nothing wrong, and I even recommend um, 
some guys, you know, to uh, to go on one of these guided hunts. You'll learn a ton, and then you'll probably be able to come back the next year and do it yourself if you want to. Or you can just keep doing it with those guys, whatever you want. But if that's something you're interested in for next year, we have lots of tags in different states, uh, lots of cool, cool hunting opportunities, even more of some that I didn't mention here. Shoot me a message at the Hunter's Quest or email me hunter at thehuntersquest.com and we'll get you sorted out on a cool hunt. Anyway, that's enough for me. Uh, as always, you know, please like, subscribe, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe there. Really appreciate y'all's support, and we'll see you on the next one. When I found Western hunting, it changed the course of my entire life. It pushed me, mind, body, and spirit to become a better hunter and ultimately a better human. This is my quest. This is your quest. This is the Hunter's Quest. Welcome to the Hunter's Quest. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. And today I'm joined by one of my favorite producers and hosts on Sportsman Channel and a guy you might recognize, Jason Matzinger from Into High Country. How you doing, Jason? Good, Hunter. How are you doing? Good, man. Glad you could uh, join me today. Absolutely. I'm uh, honored you asked. And uh, just hearing that intro uh, makes me proud. I appreciate you watching the show and the support and, yeah, just asking me to be on. It's it's great. I think it's cool that you're uh, getting one off the ground yourself. So, Yeah, man. If you guys don't know, like I said, um, Jason has been producing and hosting a show called Into High Country. I guess you're in season 13 now. Is that correct? Just finished season 13, actually, where I'm editing uh, 14 right now. So Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, Jason's also been a guest on my podcast, on the Hunter's Quest podcast. So if you want to hear a little bit more in-depth background conversation on Jason and and we talk a little bit about, you know, producing a show and all that kind of good stuff, go back and check out that episode. And actually, after talking to you is when I kind of started thinking about trying to get a show put together for Sportsman Channel instead of just kind of doing the digital thing. So um, kind of have you to thank for all this. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That puts a smile on my face. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, and what I want to talk to you about actually um, is, is mule deer hunting specifically and um, kind of specifically hunting mule deer in this kind of badlands or some people call it like breaks type country. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a specialty of yours, I guess I would say. It's such an iconic sort of species, but at the same time, it's like sort of approachable. It might be like a level two hunt. You know, I say to guys like, if they want to get started doing DIY Western hunting, like start with the antelope hunt. And then, you know, maybe that next level is a, is a breaks country or a badlands type uh, mule deer hunt. But let's first of all kind of define what I mean when I say like badlands or breaks country, like how did, would you, how would you define that? I guess the reason they call them the breaks is because they break off to river valleys that are carved out in hmm. kind of the plains. Um, so you're not, when you're arriving to a lot of these trailheads, you're not parking there and looking up at the mountain. You're, you're more arriving in you know, the flats, and then all of a sudden you find yourself breaking down into terrain. And so I think that's kind of where, you know, the name originated. And then the Badlands is just like, it's, it's, uh, it got that name, I think, back in like the 
the old west days, you know, because mm. a lot of the outlaws would go to that country to, to try to avoid to hide. Uh, the yeah, <laughs> to hide because there's so many escape routes. You know, you go into the mountains and there's like one big drainage and it's a big slope here and a big slope here with little finger ridges. And yep. in the breaks, I mean, you can have one little draw that then will go into five other draws that then split into 10 other draws that have all this series of just, you know, crags and deep cuts and steep hills. And you can't, you can't see too far in any one way unless you hit a high knob. And even then you can't really break apart the terrain that great. Yeah. It, and it allows the game a chance to get away. And I think that's why animals have been able to find security in that, especially with ongoing human pressure. Um, it's just neat, really fascinating country. It is, and being out there for the first time this year was definitely a challenge because I've done a little bit of mountain hunting to this point um, and kind of gotten a little bit of a, a groove there, but you get there and it's just, it's just like almost a maze of just up and down and up. Even when you look at the your topo map, it's like really hard to read because it's not like, boom, there's a mountain. It's like, <laughs> it's just zigzags everywhere. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, yeah. and I think you said it in one of the episodes too, it's like, and I felt this way totally. You get into this area and like, it just feels like this is desolate. I'm not, I don't see anything around here. Uh, I don't think there's any wildlife here, but then you, you settle down, you, you manage to find somewhat of a high spot, you settle down and start glassing it and, and wildlife just starts to pop out. Yeah, totally. It's, uh, I really love hunting mule deer in that type of terrain, you know? I've always been more drawn to the breaks and the badlands in the plains to hunt deer than I have like above timberline. Just me personally, the way I was raised. It's, it's deceptively difficult physically too, because it, again, it doesn't look like, you know, a huge mountain you gotta climb, but over the course of a day, you probably climb a mountain or a mountain and a half, just going up and down, up and down, up and down. And you gotta be really intentional and careful about the lines you pick, because you can get yourself in trouble. You can't just go like, I'm going that way. You gotta like right. really use the terrain to your advantage or else you're gonna get yourself in trouble. Yeah, keeping that elevation, <laughs> working around those canyons is key. And you know, it's such big country. Um, you can walk a lot out there and not see a whole lot if you're not doing it just right. Hey guys, this is Hunter, and on that note, if you're going out to a new area to hunt, whether it be out west or a new piece of property you just got rights to, or whatever the case, you need to have Onyx Hunt on your phone. It turns your phone into a fully functioning GPS. Um, if you don't have Onyx already, you need to check it out because you got all kinds of historical data on there, like old burns. You obviously have private and public property boundaries, uh, roadless areas. Uh, tons of different types of tools that you can use and layers. You can also download offline maps. So no matter where you are, even if you don't have service, you can have a fully functioning GPS on your phone. Every time I leave camp or I leave my truck, I hit the tracker on my Onyx Hunt uh, maps because it's a kind of a safety net. I always know where I am. I always know which routes I've taken to get where I'm going. And you can leave waypoints if you find a set of sheds you want to come back for or a glassing spot whatever the case may be it's one of the most valuable tools i have 
all the time with me on my cell phone in the backcountry on every hunt I go on, whether you're hunting out west, like I said, in the wilderness or backcountry, or you're uh, you know at your favorite whitetail property, whatever it is, Onyx Hunt is an invaluable tool. So if you go there now, if you're not a member already, and you join, if you use the code QUEST, you will save 20% on your membership, and you will be supporting the Hunter's Quest TV show and podcast. So if you guys don't have Onyx, I highly recommend it. I've been using it for years. Check them out, Onyx Maps, and use that code QUEST and save. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to the Hunter's Quest. Today I'm talking to Jason Matzinger about hunting mule deer in the Badlands. So let's just jump back in here to this conversation. I know you you also do whitetail hunting, and um, you know a lot of folks watching this might be whitetail hunters. Um, you've also hunted a lot of other species, um, but I know that mule deer are kind of a special place in your heart as well, like they do mine. What what's so special about mule deer for you? What makes them special? Mule deer is one of those species that it doesn't matter how much money you have, you can't buy a big mule deer. Um, you have to work for it. I mean, yeah, you can you can line yourself up with the best outfitter and you can place yourself in the best area and you can hire guides and you can do all that, but that 100% does not mean you're going to kill a big mule deer. I mean, like, there's no easy path with mule deer and the end and they're super fragile as a species. And so part of me being involved with them is just wanting to protect them and bring awareness to the fact that they aren't as hardy as a whitetail. A whitetail can live right in your backyard and, and grow to be a 200-inch deer. A mule deer can't do that. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. Like, And that's what's so cool to me about them is just kind of the places that they can take you. I was driving from New Mexico up to Salt Lake to the expo, and there, of course there was snow all over the place. And um, just from my habits, I was looking down kind of in the flats and in the fields looking for deer and stuff. And then I look over to my left and it's just like a straight up wall up a mountain. And that's where I see deer tracks all over the place going up. <laughs> and there was nothing in the flats. And, I'm, and that's when it just really clicked for me. It's like, wow, these are completely different animals. Like they don't hang out down here in the flats and the ag fields like they want to be up in the mountains and in the wild places so that was a really kind of cool cool moment for me yeah 100 percent where they live they can carve out a living in some pretty cool spots yeah for sure man and then i mean you can't ignore the fact that they're just bigger <laughs> they're just bigger <laughs> right. than whitetail they got yeah. huge racks and they're huge they're just big right yeah and then the other thing you have to go after them you know, kind of the ambush style hunt that we're used to with whitetails just isn't really fruitful. And so I don't know, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, downgrading whitetail hunting because I love whitetail hunting, but I don't know, do you think it's a, a more full or like a more complete experience of a hunt when you actually are on boots on the ground seeking after and actually hunting these animals and going after them? What do you think about that? With mule deer, you're the aggressor, you know, you can't yeah. wait for them to just come into an area or you, you'd never kill a mule deer. You have to yeah. constantly be moving. And so because of that, I mean, it just keeps you more engaged. You know, I find myself in the stand a lot of times pulling out the old phone and sitting there scrolling through stuff. And it's like, you don't really find yourself doing that when you're actively hunting 
Hey guys, I just want to take this opportunity really quick to ask you, if you haven't done so already, please go to YouTube, search my name, Hunter McWaters, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. I got lots of stuff on there, including gear dumps, how-to videos, gear reviews, all the podcasts in video format, and of course, hunt films. In fact, the hunt that we're talking about on this episode, that I go out and do a breaks country mule deer and kill my first big mature mule deer, that hunt will be releasing soon on my YouTube channel, so please Go over there, search my name, Hunter McWaters, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's one of the best ways you can support me if you like what's going on here. So thanks again, and uh, let's get back to this episode. Welcome back to the show. Today I'm talking to Jason Matzinger about how to pull off a DIY breaks country mule deer hunt. So let's get back to it. So kind of back to where we were talking a little bit earlier about the breaks country in particular when you're not used to looking at this type of country on a map or in person it's kind of confusing it's you know it's not easy to find glassing spots it's not really easy to figure out so you know to be honest when i got out to my spot that i e-scouted on the first day that i was out there hunting it was nothing like i thought it was I mean, we were basically in sheep country, and I, I was like, this is not going to work. <laughs> like, we got it. So we started driving around, and we, I had, you know, luckily I had backups. I had plan Bs and plan Cs, and we found a great area. But for guys that, you know, ha are starting off with just looking at maps, what are the, some of the kind of types of features or areas or topography or elevations? What are some things you're looking at to kind of just narrow it down to some, some areas? What I do, even... Even now, every single season, this is how I approach it, is I go out there and I don't concentrate in one area at all right off the bat. What I do is I start wide. You know, if I think the bucks are right here, I don't go right there. I start way, way out here and I'm just like tiptoeing around and I'm hitting high knobs and I'm driving roads at daylight and I'm glassing at prime time and I'm scanning as much country as I can, private, public, whatever. And, and I find where I'm seeing the most deer. You know, so I think when you don't know an area, don't think you have to just pound way back in. For um, sure. You can almost do more damage than good by doing that until you've had a chance to sit back and study the area. And that's how I pick apart any area on any hunt for antelope, elk, black bear, whatever. Like I never go right to where I think they're at day yeah. one ever. I think that's like, can be so detrimental to your hunt because you haven't figured them out yet. You know, if you got five days to hunt, spend two of them just being mobile and using your glass and knocking on doors and talking to other hunters and just learning the area. A little bit of time studying the field and not being on the field just goes leaps and bounds. Especially that's, that's, an area you don't know. That's great advice, man. Like, you know, especially when you are limited to just e-scouting. Um, and this is exactly how my hunt went. Um, you know, I e-scouted a lot. I found an area and I was like, I really like this one spot. And that was my plan, okay? And it's good. You should have a plan. Yep. But you shouldn't be, and you should do your homework, but you shouldn't be married to it and like, you know, you should be able to adapt because like I said, we got in there. My plan was to hike about four or five miles to this to this spot and, and hang out there for like four days and then make a decision from there. And we got there 
and we weren't really seeing anything, and it was like gonna be a pretty tough hike, and it was the first spot we looked at, and I was just something was just like, don't don't commit, don't go this hard on something you don't know anything about. And so I'm really glad that we didn't, and and we did exactly what you said, and that's something, one of the biggest lessons I've learned just as a Western hunter coming from out east is just mentally preparing yourself, like you said, that the first two days of your trip is scouting. And, and that's okay. Even mm -hmm. if you wanna go out a few days before the season opens or whatever, but um, I think a lot of guys, like you said, they, they plan this trip, they're excited, they wanna get out there, and they just think they gotta be, you know, going on stalks on day one. Whereas, like you said, it's, it's, it's so much more productive if you have a couple spots to check out, start big, and start narrowing it down, and, um, and really look at what's actually going on on the ground, not what you think the maps are telling you. Yeah, and I think another part to that too that I've I've always done in those couple of days of figuring things out, like finding soft spots in between hunting pressure is big too. And I think that kind of that first day of just buzzing through your area and making mental notes, okay, there's a camp there with two guys, that's a white truck. That'd be yeah. my biggest, biggest tip that I think could help people really kind of focus their efforts in the first couple of days and feel a lot more confident when they do put their boots in the ground instead mm -hmm. of just wandering around like, well, I'm here, I'm in Montana, I got a tag, and <laughs> I guess there's deer here, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to um, check out a hunt you did uh, real quick. It's from season nine. It's called Rough Country Mule Deer. I think it's episode eight, I believe. But anyway, so you get into this deep hole find this nice buck and uh and you sit there on him bedded and he's bedded for like over an hour yeah um and then okay this has got to be one of the most epic <laughs> kill shots i've ever seen because you're in the foreground here and you how how far was that deer like 150 200 yards yeah i think uh, memory serves me right like 180 i think yeah he looks pretty close yeah Okay, last thing, guys. I know a lot of you guys use Mountain Ops products, and I know you get a choice when it comes to using different discount codes, but please do me a favor. If you use Mountain Ops products or you want to try them, use the code QUEST at Mountain Ops. You'll save 20%, and you'll directly be helping to support the show. So go to Mountain Ops, try some products, use that code QUEST, save some money, and help me out. Thanks. Welcome back to the Hunter's Quest. Jason Matsinger and I are just wrapping up our conversation about mule deer and what we can do to help conserve these amazing animals. I wanna just switch the conversation a little bit here as we're coming to the end, just kind of towards conservation and you know the mule deer um, as a species, because I know it's something that you're passionate about is conservation and, and you're really involved with the Mule Deer Foundation. Why are they so much more vulnerable as a species than like a whitetail, and how can we help to conserve mule deer? Mule deer just can't, they're not a hardy enough animal. They're kind of like a bighorn sheep, just they take such a, such a selective diet and their stomachs are sensitive enough and, you know, they just, they just don't reproduce at a rate like whitetail do. You know, mm. predation is super high coyotes, bobcats, mountain lions, black bears, hunters. I think what we can do to help protect them moving forward is, you know, get involved with the Mule Deer Foundation, see the projects that they're doing, 
People need to understand the difference between mule deer and whitetail too and, the, and how fragile they are. And just when it comes to, it bugs me a little bit when people will go out and shoot just a tiny little mule deer buck and say, well, I didn't care. I just wanted it for the meat. Meanwhile, you can go buy an over-the-counter whitetail doe tag where there's hundreds of whitetail doe tags. Mm. And you can go shoot a whitetail doe and you're going to get better meat, easier yeah. <laughs> than going and shooting a three-point muley that we need in that herd. You know, know why you're shooting it and have a purpose. And you can't, you can't take mule deer like you can take whitetail and have them sustain. You know, so if you do truly just want meat and that's and you don't care, like go shoot a cow elk, go shoot a whitetail doe. Those can, you know, those actually need thinning. That's healthy for them. You know, in my opinion, shooting mule deer does right now is not healthy for mule deer. I think people need to understand that mule deer are not that species that that we can kind of treat as that, oh, I just wanted meat species, mm. you know, and I hate to say that, not like I'm on some trophy hunting a high horse or whatever. That's not what it's about. It's just not good for the animals. And that's that's why shooting mature mule deer bucks in areas where they're struggling is so important because we need those up-and-comers. We need all the yeah. does. We need every recruit we can get, you know, so kill that old crusty dude that's just keeping the young bucks from breeding and not really, um, you know, doing good himself, you know, not putting many yeah. more fawns on the landscape. And so understanding that that doesn't come from a, I want to kill the biggest animal standpoint with mule deer. It comes from a, they need that to be healthy. We need mm. to treat it that way for them to thrive. Wow. And everybody loves a big buck. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm glad you said that, man, because I hadn't thought about it like that before. And that's, uh, that's hitting home because, uh, you know, my first mule deer was a pretty small one. Um, and it frames the whole, you know, trophy hunting thing in a different light. It's, where it's not just about some macho thing, I gotta get the biggest buck, but actually it's doing what's right for the herd. So I'm glad you brought totally. that in. Um, yeah, and there's that evolution of a hunter too. Like I have nothing against somebody that's out on their first hunt and they go out and they work hard to get that one opportunity at the one buck and they take it. That's awesome. But after you've taken, you know, a few of bucks like that, like I would like to think people then would move into that next category and just be conscious that this does have an effect. This isn't this endless resource. And no, I think that's an important perspective. I'm glad you said, it cause I, I literally legitimately have never thought about it like that. And, um, I don't think a lot of people do. So I think that you articulated it very well. So I'm glad you brought that up. Well, yeah, man. Um, you know, just in conclusion here, you know, I just, um, I appreciate your time. Again, it's such a blessing that we have access to all these public lands and, and, you know, I hope to be a good steward of those lands in, you know, as a non-resident and coming out and hunting, um, in places, uh, out West. And, um, I don't know, would you have any just closing thoughts or advice for guys who want to try to come out West and do a DIY, uh, mule deer hunt? Well, I would just say, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, uh, I encourage you to come out and, you're going to come out here, you're going to have a blast, and hunting mule deer is something that w will, you know, get into your blood. It's, it's, I look forward to hunting mule deer in November the same as I look forward to hunting elk in September. It's got that same just feeling to me, you know, and uh, I think anybody that goes out and just watches mule deer be in their natural habitat, 
will fall in love with them. And at that point, yeah, just get involved and do what you can to help protect them because they need it more than ever. And uh, it doesn't take much, you know, it doesn't take much to, to collectively make a big difference. For sure. Yeah, man, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a member of the Mule Deer Foundation. I know you do a lot of work with them, so I would encourage folks to look into the Mule Deer Foundation or if it's uh, the Muley Fanatic Foundation, whatever it is, just do something yep. to get involved uh, with, with helping mule deer and, and uh, you know, being a responsible hunter and giving back. So, yeah, man, thanks again for your time. I appreciate you. Likewise, I appreciate you having me on and really excited to see what you put together. Thanks, man. All right, we'll talk soon, all right? Sounds good.